Good evening, dummies. This is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. Friday, April 16, 714, episode 138. It's Red Friday. Everybody wears red on Friday, or you should. Remember, everyone deployed. Remembers all those people who are fighting and protecting us overseas. Wearing red is just a nice way to remember. We used to tie a yellow ribbon around the tree or light a candle. This is the modern day way of saying we care and we will never forget you. So please wear the red shirt if you have the ability. You can wear a red hat. You can wear a red scarf. You can wear red underwear. It's really up to you. Photos, please, or it didn't happen. What are we talking about tonight? Well, we're going to show you the Valor commercial. I am extremely excited to show you this. I have spent a better part of the last two months working on this. Brian uh, came to me and said, listen, you're going to do marketing for us. I've always wanted to do a TV commercial. And the great thing about Brian is every time he says that, I know we're about to spend money and he's going to challenge me to do something. And I took a little bit of time, thought about it, and wrote a script with a great guy named Michael, who we sat down for an hour in front of a bunch of executives, and we just started talking and just making it better and tweaking and peaking. And I think it's great. It's got a national feel. Um, I learned a lot from people at Apple and and uh, Comcast, NBC, limited brands, but also having some influences from Jeep, who just had an amazing Bruce Springsteen commercial, and, and Randy, who works over there as a CMO. So a lot of people have influenced me over, over the years. So this was just something that was a pet project of mine that I could not have done without the amazing actors. Uh, Will was just tremendous in this. The writers outside of you know plotting the scenes and doing the storyboards, which was KM Digital, the sound quality, the voiceover work, um, the military bases that, that just supported us. It was fantastic. Uh, even a cheesy little motel six on the corner in Annapolis that we had, we couldn't get into the barracks that day. So we used the motel six as barracks. And honestly, if you looked at lived in any barracks, you understand that that's pretty much a motel six. It was just, it all came together and so fast. So I hope you enjoy the commercial. I'm going to tote on it a little bit or dote or tote. Is it tote? It's dote. I'm going to dote. I'm going to dote on it. This is why I don't use English, English words, old English words. I mean, we're all speaking English to be exact, but to say dote or aluminium or theocratic, those type of words are very seldom used anymore outside of the King James. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I can't stop it now. The in- intro is too good. Allergies are killing me. But anyway, tonight, uh, a viewer discretion advised, advised, not because of the commercial. We're going to go into the, 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 the killing, the death. At this point, judge and jury will have to decide, but it's a shame. 13-year-old boy in Chicago, and it's tragic. The, the video, I, I spent a lot of time asking myself, should I play it? And I honestly wasn't going to, but because of this officer is now being lambasted in the news and prosecuted before they can even get the video slowdown done and, and see the, you know, all different angles and see if there's any other cameras and listen to the audio and take witness statements. He's immediately been hung by the Black Lives Matter people and the left media. So I'm going to go in and defend them tonight because I, once again, I've never been a police officer, but I like to say I've got a lot of Friends who were police. My uncle was homicide detective, SWAT, um, street police officer. I trained Wyoming Police Department up in Torrington Army. A lot of them had to shoot and fire weapons. Um, criminal justice major went into a ton of ride-alongs. So 
pardon me if I give you my opinion. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to love it. It's just my opinion. And the next thing is packing the court. A lot of information going on with packing the court. And Biden said, I won't pack the court. Well, guess what? They're talking about packing the court. Why? Because they can, and they most assuredly will. So I want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about why that is a horrible idea. But before we do that, I want to talk to you a little bit about something else about the Supreme Court. And if you don't know what the Supreme Court justice and uh, you know nominating a Supreme Court justice, a lot of it is very similar to crossing a river. It just all comes down to Roe versus Wade. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me start right now. Well, thank you, dummies. I appreciate it. Delivery was a little bit weak. My nose was itching. Trust me, I had an itching fest. I was just like grabbing my pencil, grabbing sandpaper. I feel much better. But there's nothing like itching your nose. And you don't want to sit there and be like, okay, anyway, so episode 138, got it. Oh, thank God. And that certainly was it is. It's just itchy. It's like right here, just beard and freaking nose. Oh, I've never had allergies before. How I got out? I lived in Japan. Cherry blossoms everywhere. No allergies. It was New Mexico. I went to New Mexico and that was it. And that just explains everything. New Mexico. It's all the uh, hot air balloons and chili, Rianos. I, I don't know what it is, but it was horrible. So I got allergies in New Mexico and they have not, you know, escaped me ever since. And I despise them. Folks, who am I? My name is Matt Spear. I am the host of Don't Unfriend Me. Thank you so much for being here. You know the topics, you know what we're going to talk about. What you don't know is where all my tags are. You could find me here at uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Apple uh, Podcasts, on Spotify, pretty much everywhere. YouTube, stop by, give me a like, follow, and share. Facebook is my number one platform. seems like I'm just crushing there. YouTube is just slow going. If you have a YouTube account, stop by and throw me some love. I need some help. I'll pay you $1,000 per like. No, I won't. I, I, I don't have that much money. I could do it once. That's about it. Stop by my website, www.dontunfriendme.com. I post the podcast there every single night. Video, sometimes blog articles and things of that effect. I'll get to writing one day when I find the time. But with no further ado, let's get into the Valor commercial. Now, here's the dilemma. Is when we started this commercial, Brian was like, hey, we've got to be able to tell this story of what Valor does is we're not just a construction company. You see, 20 years ago, when Al Kincaid, Adam, Brian, uh, they wanted to create a construction company that kind of went above and beyond what normal construction companies do. And it wasn't necessarily how prolific they were or they, if they could build something better than anyone else or if they came in under cost. It was all about customer service because fly-by-night companies were horrible and customer service was fantastic during the sales process, but then not so much on the production side. And then the follow-up was horrible. So they wanted to create something new and focus on customer service. So they did that. And then Brian one day had an idea to do the raise the roof, which was to give a, a veteran a roof every 90 days who was deserving, predominantly around Vietnam, World War II, Korea. And that's because Al Kincaid was in Vietnam and he's the founder. And, and they became this ride the middle of the road 
veteran-based company where they wanted to have a focus on hiring veterans and helping veterans and but didn't want to kind of alienate themselves from every customer because there's the better home and garden customer. Then there's just somebody who wants to fix it. And if you go down one way and be a very specific type of company, it can alienate you if you don't do it right. So when I came on, my job was to change the brand, was to consolidate the brand, decide what the image was going to be that they, that they wanted and then hit it. Well, we successfully went through the customer service piece, but now it's like, how do we become that veteran based company and do it tactfully and also tell a story, but not make it seem like we're just doing cause marketing to make money off of veterans. So a few of the things we agreed on were we'll never do it during Veterans Day, uh, Memorial Day. We're not going to make money off of that. Gold Star Mothers, we're never going to use our advertising to make money during those days. We're not going to do Gold Star Mother specials. And it's just not it's just not tactful. So that was first. The second thing was, was to ensure that we were giving back equally, not only to our customer, but to every veteran and also our employees. So this video was, Brian and I were sitting on the phone one day and he's like, man, I've wanted to do TV for a long time and I've done TV, but I don't know how to tell that story in 30 seconds. Well, that's where I came in. And I took some time and I just thought about it and came up with this story and worked with some great executives at NBC and salespeople, a writer out of Nashville, Tennessee, a good dude, named Michael, and we sat down and we hammered out this script, and then 60 days later, we have this. The person you see in here, his name is Will. You know Will. I've told you about Will. I had no desire to be in a commercial. Will has a lot more moxie than I do and strength of heart because I, I I was a coward. I didn't want to do it. I tried to – my feet are in the video. You'll see my feet, and they are – there's surgical scars all up and down my ankles and everything else, but there, there are my feet because whether you knew this or not, I don't want to spoil it. I'll let you watch it first and then I'll tell you everything else. So I'm, I'm a little nervous because this is cool. This is my six. These are, you guys are my people. You're my family outside of my family. So I want to do this justice, but here is the video. I hope you like it. I might play it twice and enjoy, and then we'll come back and talk about it. A veteran's oath. Never expires. Their dedication to selfless service always continues. That's why, every 90 days, Valor puts a roof over the head of an American veteran. To see more of Will's story, go to ValorHome.com. Oh, man, I still get goosebumps over that. Sorry, I'm clicking my mouse. I'll get rid of it so it's making sounds. Will is, um, whether you notice that or not, he is an amputee. And that is a service-related amputee. I want to tell you how that happened. That's Will's story to tell, and it's not mine. But every veteran has a story, and I think it's important for every veteran to tell their story. And eventually, I will have to uh, pony up and tell mine. I've told it on the podcast, but never really done it uh, in any other form. But that commercial is not designed to necessarily sell roofs. It's to celebrate veterans, recognize that traumatic brain injury, that PTS, anxiety, depression, those things are real. And as you see, when he first is kneeling over the bed, there's sweat on his brow. He's obviously woken up from a nightmare. You see his beard, and then he flashes back to a time of conflict. You hear the guns. You hear the the chopper, small arms fire. And then you see him clean-shaven a couple years, few years before that in his military service in the Army, and he flashes back. PT, serving on his duty station, getting in the Humvee, all that other stuff, and then his service-connected discharge. 
And, you know, the thing about it is a lot of people don't notice that he doesn't have a leg in that. And some of the questions we have are, wow, was that CGI? Because you see him running, you see him doing push-ups, you see him driving a car. How's he doing all that? Well, the funny thing is, is Will is, is, a, is a force recon Marine and the man has no quit in him. And although we disagree on whether SEALs or Force Recon are more effective or Recon are more, more effective, but we'll do that till the day we die. The one thing we don't disagree on is that uh, he is a extremely passionate and brave human being. To do this and put himself out there is amazing. So we wanted to do it justice. I think the story is touching and it shows obviously the polar opposite, the yin and the yang of having that moment when he first started, which was something veterans will deal with the rest of their lives. They will never get over it. They'll never forget that, but they can learn to live with it. And then you see that smile on his face. And the fact that he is a Marine who went through 16 years of war and battle and things that you can't imagine, the smile's genuine. And uh, hats off to him, Semper Fi, and I hope you enjoyed the video. And that's not a hopeless plug, but you can go to ValorHome.com if you want to. If you live in Virginia or Maryland, we'll get you a roof. If you want to share a story or like us on Facebook or whatever, please do. It's a great site. We are taking over construction companies' pages because the likes are just, they're pouring in because our stories are feel-good stories. And we celebrate more than just roofs and cool bathrooms. We really celebrate the things that Americans should recognize. We've got some t-shirts coming out, all that. So I've pimped the site enough. I think my advertising's paid for by Brian. And either way, I hope you enjoyed. It's just a I try to share my personal life with you, just like I share my son getting his blue belt or my daughter gets, you know, a part in, in the school play. Uh, I think it's important for me to share that too. And and hopefully you uh you can tolerate me doing that once in a while. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll post it on the site so you can watch it again. Packing the court. Democrats are considering right now. If they should, if the if the Supreme Court uh, should be packed, and and what they want to do overall is take away the Republican majority. While this would not be unconstitutional, it would break with over 150 years of precedent. It would be an affront to responsible governing and endanger the health of our republic, and would fuel the flames of increasing national division more than anything. Following the passes passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, God bless, rest her soul. Republicans um, have already, and you know that, replaced her with Amy Coney Barrett, and that gives them a 6-3 Supreme Court majority for the foreseeable future. Democrats are livid over this appointment of a judge in the final months of election year after Republicans proclaimed in 2016 that filing a Supreme Court vacancy during election year should wait for the next president. That's not quite what they said, but I'll link my answer to that right up there of how the Democrats have consistently for the last 25 years screwed over Republicans. It's an interesting video. I hope you like it. It was one of my earlier ones. Understanding the frustration, there still isn't a justification for a radical institutional restructuring of the Supreme Court. Justice Ginsburg herself opposed packing the court, saying doing so, quote, would make the court look partisan. The number of Supreme Court justices may not be written in the Constitution, but is long established precedent. The original Supreme Court started out with six justices and later increased to seven and as high as 10 before President Grant and Congress in 1869 settled the court at nine justices. Sorry, I had to turn off my fan. It was blowing in the mic. President Franklin Roosevelt, in an effort to combat opposition to the New Deal, was the last president to attempt an increase of seats on the Supreme Court. He proposed that for every justice over 70, one seat should be added, 
up to 15 justices. Why not 30? This didn't gain much support, even within his own party, in part because of the drastic partisan reformation of the bedrock institution. From the New Deal to the Green New Deal, packing the court is about power to push your political agenda through the arbiters of law. A foundation for a healthy republic includes a separate independent judiciary. Packing the court would endanger our nation. Attempts to pack the court are a blatant political power grab of an institutional design to be apolitical and will inevitably lead to the overt politicization of the nation's judiciary branch. It would establish the norm that anytime your party isn't in control of the court, but is in control of the Congress and the presidency, you shouldn't alter the court's makeup to gain more votes for your agenda, thus ending any political independence the court now possesses. Just like gerrymandering, packing the courts with like-minded judges would unfairly tip the scale of justices in the Democrats' favor. Since they already control the governor's mansion and both houses of the General Assembly, judges previously appointed by Republicans act as a speed bump to slow down or derail any radical laws that majority might pass. And this is happening in Virginia that I'm referring to. And at a time when bitter partisanship infects and divides the body politic, adding judges should be done in a transparent, nonpartisan, staggered, and yes, merit-based process, as Cox recommended to avoid lasting damage to public trust in Virginia's judicial system, which is seeing once again an overreaching Democratic governor doing exactly whatever he wants, with no means to the state's constitution, with no reference to the constitution. And this is just what the Democrats are doing on high. It's hard to see how a majority of the nation would be comfortable with a Democratic Congress pushing through a massive institutional restructuring on a partisan line. It would be irresponsible governing by uh, politicizing the judiciary branch and serve to further divide our country. The question is, if you have the Senate, you have the House as slim as a majority as it is, you have the presidency, why can't you pass law? What is so difficult? Why do you have to keep doing executive orders? What happened to this bipartisan or partisan effort. We knew it was going to be a bipartisan effort because Joe promised it, but now we have a partisan effort where we're not forcing anything through because nobody will vote. We just simply write executive orders. Why? Well, it's simple because here's what it comes down to. If you do something long enough, people become numb to it. And the only way they can get these things passed, even through their own party, because the things that they want to propose are unconstitutional, censorship, change gun rights, All of these things that they want to do change our Constitution. They want to go ahead and change the election laws. They want to go ahead and change the way we do our elections. The way that they do that avoids them actually having to get a majority vote and a two-thirds vote in the filibuster. They know they can't get those votes. So what do they do? Well, they go ahead and use executive action to do so. And they continue to do it. And Joe Biden has done that since he first stepped in office. It's something to think about. Why would they want the court so bad? There's no threat of Roe versus Wade being overturned. Well, because there's a few things that will be brought up if a Republican president ever gets in, and one of them will be voter ID. And that has been the crux all along. It's never been about Roe versus Wade or guns. I want to make you really aware of this. I said this in my show. I said it a long time ago. The constitutionality of our voting laws, voter ID, and if illegals can vote, will be the next major battle in the United States, and it will be just as prolific as the gun debate and Roe versus Wade. And that is why Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh are there, because they have a staunch record voting against 
anything that says illegals can vote and also are proponents of voter ID. That's why they're on the court. The Democrats know this. And in order to get any election reform put through, they have to own the Supreme Court. Otherwise, it will be overturned as unconstitutional with the current majority as Republican. And if anybody can't see this, I would love to play poker with you. Folks, it's obvious. This is what they want. And this is the only reason, because they don't care about abortion. They don't care about what their constituents want. They want to alter the way we do our elections so they never go out of power again. 13-year-old shooting. There's a lot in this video. And I want to say once again, viewer discretion is advised. Chicago officials released to the public on Thursday a graphic body camera video showing a police officer shooting and killing a 13-year-old boy while he appeared to be raising his hands in an alley more than two weeks ago. The nine-minute video from Eric Stillman's body camera showed a 34-year-old officer getting out of a squad car and running after Adam Toledo in an alley at 2.30 a.m. on March 29th in a little village, a Mexican neighborhood on the city's West side. The video then showed Stillman yelling stop to Toledo before he caught up to him and ordered him to show his hands. Toledo appeared to raise his hands right before Stillman fired one shot and then ran to the boy as he fell to the ground. Shots fired, shots fired. Get an ambulance over here now, the police officer is heard saying in the video. Stay with me, stay with me in a manacle cry, Stillman said. Somebody bring the medical kit now. That's the narrative. The narrative is, hands up, don't shoot. That's not what happened. I'm going to show you the video, and then I'm going to break it down, and I'm going to go through it step by step. And once again, this is extremely, extremely violent, and I would ask that you please use caution with showing this to any children. The first video I'm going to show you is a news clip. This news clip We'll have some commentary, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you my thoughts on it while it's playing, and then I'll show you the breakdown of what I see and what I think happened. Here we go. A police chase in Chicago's west side after reports of gunfire. The officer shouts at 13-year-old Adam Toledo. I want you to understand the body camera doesn't have audio for the first 30, 40 seconds when he exits his car. The officer reaches over and touches the audio mic on the body cam. Now understand these body body cams will record indefinitely. They're like a GoPro. Audio on, audio off is usually engaged once there's conversation with a suspect or something that needs to be verbally or recorded by video. He has the presence of mind. He is checking off his training. And notice while he's in full sprint, turns this on because he knows he's about to engage in conversation. Doesn't seem like a man who's hell-bent on killing somebody. I doubt he knows how old he is. He probably has very little idea. He knows he's young, but once again, does not scream to me a 13-year-old boy. Now, this right here is the picture you've seen everywhere. He has a strobe light on him. Strobe light is to, first of all, creates confusion. It makes your pupil dilate and contract. And at night, that's really a horrible thing. Imagine you're on a camera lens and you keep opening, closing, opening, closing. Picture gets dark light, dark light, dark light. Then you get remnants of spots or you get fragmentation in the picture. That same thing happens in your eye as you will see flashes and it's hard to discern where anyone's at. And that's on purpose. It's to stop anyone from drawing a bead on you properly because you would have to look in that light. And it makes it just 
even a second or two distraction for that police to get the upper hand. The second thing is you see him with his hands up here, but there's a few things you're not seeing. And I'll talk about it in a minute. But more importantly, this is the still frame that every single news agency has shown on TV. And the next thing you see is him drop as he gets shot. It's unacceptable because that is only half the story. And just like Rodney King, when I was a boy, or just like any of the other videos you've seen, there is more to it than this. Let's listen to how they're spinning this on the news. And this is every station, mind you. This is a UK. This is Sky News. This is a European uh, subsidy of Comcast. The officer calls for an ambulance, but it's too late. The teenager who was Latino died in the alley. A teenager who was Latino. So very important to make sure we know what his ethnicity is. And, And could we find a more innocent picture of the boy? Fatal gunshot wound to the chest. The police released a photo of a gun found in the alley. But Adam's family say this wasn't a reason to... Looks like a Ruger... Probably nine millimeter, doesn't look like a twenty-two. Lower profile, probably concealed carry version, probably has a lower mag, anywhere six to ten rounds. Obviously it wasn't found that way. It's in the locked back position and clear because the police did so, probably with gloves to secure the weapon to ensure that it was not loaded and that it was in a safe condition for inspection. That's why it's racked back and in a locked position. So you would think, well, that is a very distinct way to look at a gun. If the officer got a flash of it and was in that position, you would know that the weapon was secure. But I want to make sure I show you the breakdown of the video so you can understand how quickly this happened. Those videos speak for themselves. Adam, during his last... Now, this is the thing that I don't understand, is this is always what happens. It would have been very simple for the lawyer to come out and say, listen, we haven't collected all the facts. I represent the family. Now is a time of mourning. We will have our day in court. This is not the time. People do not have all the facts, but we do not believe this was justified, and we're going to prove that in the court of law. But no, all of a sudden, supposition, race card, completely firing up people, and this is all they've been showing is this girl talking, flapping her effing gums, about something she knows nothing about except dollar signs. She just knows this is going to be a 20, 30, 40, 100 million dollar lawsuit, especially because of the age. And the city will pay it. Because Chicago pays out wrongful death like it's going out of style. Second of life did not have a gun in his hand. Well, of course he didn't have a gun in his hand because he threw it, but you don't see that, and I'll show you why. Second, does anyone want to talk about why he had powder burns on his head, that there was they were shooting at somebody earlier with another 21-year-old boy, that they were up to no good, that they were in a fleet, a fleet of foot chase? Why? Does anyone want to talk what he was doing out at 2.30 in the morning? Do we want to hold the parents accountable in any way, shape, or form, or do we just want to blame every police officer because his life's in danger, and he pulls and fires, and he had a fraction of a second, and I say a fraction to make that decision. Why? Where's the accountability? What are you doing running around as a 13-year-old boy? You should be asleep in bed, maybe cheating and staying up reading comic books or playing Nintendo or talking on walkie-talkies or sneaking over to your neighbor's house. Whatever. But being out in Chicago on the streets with a firearm, it's unacceptable. But then you don't hear the lawyers say that. Of course not, because that would be accountability. And what does accountability look like? 
It looks like the mother getting involved and the father. Where is the father? Is he involved? I haven't heard anything from him. A lawyer says although Adam was shot dead on the 29th of March, his mother didn't find out until two days later. They had a lot of options, but not kill him. They couldn't shoot his, his, his leg, his arm, up in the air. Okay, let me explain something. I, I always love when people say, couldn't you shoot the gun out of his hand? Couldn't you shoot his leg or his arm? When an officer draws his weapon, he is trained to put the subject down. You don't aim at something you're not going to go ahead and be willing to terminate. Now, there are times when they will pull their weapon and they will have no, no finger on the trigger whatsoever and they will be in a general direction of the target and they're usually waving the target. They're not deadbeat on in a killing shot on a target. This was a fast draw reaction. Heartbeat, probably up in the 150 to 165 range. Breathing hard seeing a firearm and making a split-second decision, and I will tell you why he made that decision. The question, once again, is where were you? And if you are going to pull a gun on me, it's going down to you and me, and I will tell you I'm going home to my family. He's not going to shoot him in the arm. He's not going to shoot him in the leg. By the time that he pulled that trigger and that bullet flew down that chamber, he may have recognized that he was a 13-year-old boy. And if you hear him afterwards, the man was literally seconds from breaking down. I hear it and get choked up. I think about my son and daughter. You think that cop's not going through hell? He just killed a kid. The question is, what was your kid doing out in, to begin with? I don't know, but I killed my baby. The officer who shot Adam has been placed on administrative leave while an inquiry is carried out. And police have arrested a man they say was with Adam and fired the shots that drew them to the alley that night. Chicago's mayor was visibly... It's not true. The 21-year-old didn't shoot. They both shot. He had powder burns on his hand. Autopsy reports, preliminary inspection. They checked powder burns on his hand. And he most assuredly at the scene can check that. Just like they can get fingerprints. They don't have to wait for the morgue. They don't have to wait for an autopsy to do that. They can collect static evidence. He most assuredly shot a weapon that night. And then, of course, here we go. The wonderful mayor, Beetlejuice herself. Emotional as she spoke about the toll of violence in her city. I have sat in too many circles watching these young people who are beautiful and magnificent, but traumatized by the violence that they experience every day. Acting job, 100%. Lightfoot has been in charge of that city. She went against Donald Trump, any aid, wanted to bring in the National Guard, fought him tooth and nail, then opened it up to it. She's a horrible mayor. She's a liberal mayor. She's like every liberal leftist is that she will blame the cops and throw them under the bus when honestly it's her policies and the fact that she doesn't empower and the prosecutors don't prosecute these kids because they let them get out of jail free card because their constituents put pressure on them and then they won't get reelected. That's what this is about. Since when does the barrio, the hood, the gang elements run our country, run the local and state government because of political pressure? If I was the mayor, I would say, I've got two, four years, whatever I have left. Screw you. I'm taking every one of you down and I'm locking you up and I will borrow and ship you out to other state max prisons. 
And if you vote me out, I don't care, but we're going to clean up those streets. They need the National Guard presence down there because if you don't know this, 162 people in Chicago have been killed and it's April and it's already 20%, 20 more than it was in 2020. And that was during COVID. It is going to increase. And I've been saying these shootings, these police shootings, the mass shootings that we're seeing all over, were going to happen. As soon as COVID was the fear tactic that started to dwindle down, shootings would be back on the market. And lo and behold, here we are. Shootings happening every day, every week now. And the media has just grabbed onto it like it is happening everywhere. And it feels like it, doesn't it? When they talk about it constantly, you go one, two, three, four. Oh my gosh, there's been four. But it feels like there's been hundreds because that's all they talk about. And that is how they get you to be scared. And that is how they control. Now I'm going to show you a video. And then I'm going to break it down by a couple of pictures. Here is the actual shooting slowed down. You will not hear audio for a second. And then I'm going to show you what the officer saw and what he experienced. Comes out of his squad car. He is not drawn. His mic is not on. Runs down the street. It's fairly well lit. Can't really see much. Now, audio comes on. The assailant is running. He has a black shirt on. I want you to watch his position. He has his back to the officer right now. There is something called blading or being bladed. Blading is when you turn side. In self-defense courses, they teach you in police interviews, interrogation, FBI, of how to turn your body to make yourself more narrow. Sometimes you'll see police officers stand that way quite a bit when they find a threat. They will spread apart and they will turn and make their bodies narrow. Their shoulder will lead, head will turn to the side. They usually have their non-threatening side showing, which is their non-gun arm, and then they will have their gun either on their weapon or close to it so it can be drawn quickly and immediately brought up to fire in the firing position. It's standard practice. This young man, this is also not just taught. It's a natural response when you have a threat is to conceal your threat. This young man conceals the weapon. He also has intent to dump the weapon. But the problem is, is he's 13 years old. He's 13 years old and he has done something that he knows he's going to get in trouble for big time with the law and probably his mom. He's a child and he doesn't understand that all he has to do is drop to his knees and stop and put his hands up. He doesn't understand that if he slowly brought it out and did not face the police officer and held out his weapon, that he would be okay. He's indecisive. He doesn't know what to do. And damn it, he shouldn't be making this fucking decision as a 13 year old anyway. And it's tragic that he is. Engages flashlight. Now, I want you to look where his position is. One step out, and he sees an opening on the fence. He could have ducked, but he had all intentions of stopping. Why? The officer knows this. If he would continue straight, the officer was going to catch him. If he would have ducked into the right, he had a good chance of at least possibly finding a way to evade the officer and dump the weapon. He didn't do that. He knew he was caught. He heard the footsteps, and he understood that he was right on top of him. Hey, come here, fucking head. Stop it. Show me your hands. Drop it. That is how you know he saw the weapon. Now, what do you see here? He's blading. You see him slightly turned. He has his hand in one pocket, and he has his other arm hidden. But the officer has already seen something. I will show you the picture in a second. He saw a firearm, and he saw a gun. And I actually have it slowed down, and I will show you. And he was shot. 
But here's the thing. If we watch this again and you really take a look at it, it happens so fast. I'm going to play it at full speed. It wasn't like you're seeing it in slower motion and you see his hands come up, but that's not how quickly it happened. It literally happened in a half of a second where the officer sees the gun, tells him to get his hands up, but he doesn't see the gun dropped. He does not see it leave his hand. The officer assumes that he is going to be fired upon and he shoots first and he absolutely did the right thing. Watch it again. Now this, it's horrible, man. It's absolutely horrible. It's horrific. I'm not even going to show you the child down. It's just, it's terrible. There's it's senseless. It's absolutely senseless. But I want you to look at this, this one image, watch this. This is slowed down, and this is the point where he is blading. He has one hand up. He is looking at the wall. He is turning around, and you see the gun. It's right there. He has a good grip on it. And then watch the next frame. He then starts to put up his hands, but at that point, it's too late. He turns his body. That is the problem. He turns towards the cop like he is going to take aim and fire. That is what got him shot. He should have said, officer, I have a gun. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to throw it. Whatever you want me to do, I'm not moving. Or he simply could have put his hands out and not turned around. And if he would have done that, he probably wouldn't have gotten shot. But watch the action again. By then, it's too late. Here's another angle which you probably haven't seen, and this is from an adjacent building, very well lit. I want you to see where he throws the gun here. Watch the arrows. He's running eastbound. Stops. You see him stop. He's got the gun in his hand, but he stops and he doesn't run. He just stops, waits. The worst thing he could do, throws the gun on the fence and then assumes, hey, I'm in the clear. I'm throw, I threw the gun. Cop couldn't see that because he was blading. Remember, he has his nonviolent side, non-threatening side to the officer, and he can't see the gun disappear. We only saw a little bit of it past his right thigh. And then he turns around, and in that split second, cop doesn't know he threw the gun. If he would have said, I just threw the gun around the fence, but he was trying to get out of the crime, he didn't want the cop to find the gun because he's stupid. Because no one ever taught him, don't run from the police. None of those jerk-off kids who are 21 years old bothered to tell him, just if a cop comes, this is what you do, because all they know how to do is run. And this is the one common theme. I've told you, in mass shootings, the one common theme you see all the time is psychosis. People who are crazy. The one common theme you see in police shootings is resisting arrest. People running, and this is what happens. This officer should be reinstated. He should get psychological help for him murdering, excuse me, killing a child. I guess it is murder. It's accidental death. He did his job. I'm I'm really sorry I said murder because it's not murder. He discharged his weapon in the appropriate way. He took down a threat and it doesn't matter at that time if he's 13 or not. What do you want him to do? You're 13 years old. You're not going to shoot me and blam, he gets killed. 
You don't think that this little boy in two or three years would have unloaded that entire mag into that cop and killed anyone that tried to stop him? Because that's what happens in Chicago and it happens to police officers all over the country. There's the gun. And you can see where he threw it and went right up against the wall. The problem with this is simple. There's three things you have to ask yourself. It's horrible that he died. I completely agree. It's also horrible that a police officer had to shoot a 13-year-old boy. You watch the entire video. He almost throws up. He sits down on the edge. He, he paces back and forth. He did CPR. He plugged the wound. He gave him heart to heart. He called the ambulances. He was frantic. He did everything he could. This wasn't racially motivated. He didn't shoot him six times. He shot him once and did not pull the trigger again. And he is taught to put the subject down. When that subject went down and he realized he didn't have a gun, he did not continue firing. That will get him acquitted. And the city will burn because of it. We've got to stop this. Why the hell are we not holding the media accountable to show the whole video, to explain this and bring people like myself on or Dan Bongino, or Secret Service, or retired police, or prosecutors, or defense attorneys, or people who are against the cops, and sit down and show what happened, and have literally somebody who makes a living trying the police, and somebody who protects the police sit down and say on national TV, we've looked at both sides, and this decision by the police officer was the right one, no matter how tragic it was. Why? Because there's no money in it. But these vultures are coming out and the media is supporting the narrative because it burns more cities, it makes better ratings, and it keeps the country divided. And the lawyers do it because they're bloodsuckers and they're ambulance chasers. And they know that this payout is incredible. And this woman's going to sell her soul to paint this as racist. And police officers, once again, subjugating 13-year-olds and, and minority youth to the oppression of the police. It's absolute trash. The release of the video originally was not going to be made. The lawyers actually helped with that decision and public officials. It comes down to this, and it's the last thing I will say about it. I will keep talking about these shootings. And if I see something that actually is racist or if I see something that is cops doing, not doing their job, I will, I will say it. I've said it about George Floyd. Even though I think there's a lot more to that story than was said, I think ultimately Chauvin was wrong. And he at least should have checked his pulse. And when he stopped moving, all of those things. And if someone says, I can't breathe, I understand that. But he's handcuffed. You could have got him up. You could have sat him on the curb, whatever. But he was also spitting at cops. He was trying to get away and everything else. We have to stop the narrative. This is a 13-year-old boy. And that lawyer is telling that mother, go up there and cry, scream foul, blame the police, do whatever you can, and question, why didn't you shoot him in the leg? Do you think that's what she thinks as a grieving mother that she came up with that line on her own? A grieving mother would say, my baby's dead. Why did they kill him? But shoot him in the leg? As a parent, I would never say that. I would never project harm on my child, whether they were alive or dead. And if you're a parent, ask yourself the same question. Would you even be able to stomach that? After a bullet ripped into your child's chest, say, shoot them in the leg, shoot them anywhere. 
I don't think you would. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you see it different, but tell me why. But I have just shown you incontrovertible evidence that there was literally a half a second for the cop to make the decision. I'm not saying he didn't have an empty hand. I'm saying literally a half a second before that, he didn't. And he was postured to shoot the cop. And the cop responded. It's a legitimate shooting. End of story. Folks, that's it for my take tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm as honest as I can be. You may agree. You may disagree. You may be offended. You may not be. But all I ask is that you don't unfriend me. Leave a comment down below. Tell me what you think. Let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts. If you're an officer, tell me if I'm right. If you're not an officer and you're a criminal, tell me if I'm wrong. Just kidding. If you have any other opinion other than what I said, I would love for you to tell me. Thanks, folks, for watching. Remember, please go like, share, follow, do all of those type of things right over there. You can also go to my website at don'tunfriendly.com and get this show and all the others that I've done in my catalog. And lastly, you can go ahead and click right here to get the YouTube link and follow, share, and subscribe from YouTube. Lastly, Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255, press 1. Post-traumatic stress, TBI, is real, as you saw in the commercial tonight. It's something I truly care about, and I'm really glad that Valor is bringing it to light. I haven't seen a commercial that addresses it like this. If you or someone you know needs some help, please, it starts with conversation. Reach out to me. I'll talk to you. If you're a brother or sister in arms, pick up the phone. If you have a child, if you have a husband, I don't care, whatever it is, let us help. Let us get you the help you need. You can call this number, go to my website at don'tunfriendme.com, click on the VCL link and you'll be connected to a Skype VCL operator. If you're a civilian, they will also help you. They will not turn you away. They will get you the right number. And talking is the best way to do it. 22 veterans a day committing suicide is way too many. Folks, thank you. I'm off tomorrow and Sunday. I'm going to relax. I'm not going to watch hockey because the abs have no games because COVID protocol. Thanks, Joe Biden. Biden's America, canceling the best team in hockey. Appreciate it. See you tomorrow, folks. Actually, no, I won't. See you on Monday for episode 139 or whatever it is. Have a great weekend. Have a great night. God bless. Take care of each other. Remember, don't unfriend me. Like, share, and subscribe, and leave a comment. Good night.